Welcome to Peak Tales, a conversation about chromatography. Now here's your host, John. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is John. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Peak Tales podcast. Uh, just a bit of a program note, we are seeing an incredible amount of downloads of this podcast and uh, that is uh, due to you folks out there who are sharing this with people and letting them know about the fabulous content that uh, we are offering um, every other week here. And uh, we would really appreciate it if you would send in a review. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that's a great way of getting people to find us and uh, consume this content. And uh, we do have a very special promo code for you. If uh, you'll just listen to the end of this episode, I will give you that promo code as a thank you for being a loyal listener. Okay, on to today's episode. Here we go. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Peak Tales podcast. Uh, Today, we are titling this episode, and uh, we're titling it Tools to Analyze Biosimilars. So just... um, just some program notes for today. It's a little bit longer than our normal episodes here on Peak Tales, but that's because we've got some exciting information to share with you, the listener. Today, I am joined by Justin Heisch. Justin's been with us before, uh, and he is a business development manager. And uh, today, we're welcoming a uh, new participant to the podcast. His name is John Sawson. He is the Director of Strategic Initiatives here at Agilent. And uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today for this important conversation about uh, the different tools that uh, one can use to analyze biosimilars. So I'm going to hand it to you, Justin, to get started with our conversation. Yeah, thanks, John. Uh, Thanks for having us. Um, We've been working with a lot of customers lately. Uh, They're working on biosimilars. And there's a number of unique challenges that uh, people working in biosimilar development are, are seeing, uh, but also some similar challenges to folks that are working in innovator molecules. Um, John, would you like to, to highlight some of these challenges? Sure. Uh, thanks, Justin. And John, thanks for having me today. I appreciate the chance to join you guys. Um, I, I think anytime we're looking at biosimilars as well as our innovators, uh, there's a big challenge there to say, for example, with the biosimilar, can we show that the therapeutic we're trying to create is in fact identical to the innovator product that was originally created or similar enough. And there's huge financial consequences if we can do that. The potential to reduce the amount of additional testing, for example, could we potentially skip some of the phase three trials if we can show to the FDA that our biosimilar is in fact similar enough to the therapeutic. And so I think that's important, but in many ways, our innovators have similar requirements, only they're looking at it from the perspective, say, in uh, optimizing feedstocks. If they've got 20 bioreactors running and they're experimenting with different feedstocks, we need to know that as we adjust the recipe, if you will, that's going into the bioreactor, are we still producing the same therapeutic that we were intending to? Or if we're going through process scale-up, is it the same therapeutic? Has anything changed? And so whether we're looking at biosimilars showing that they are similar enough or we're doing innovator work and we're trying to show that the therapeutic isn't changing, it's still the same therapeutic we had as we go through scale-up or optimization, um, there's tools needed that are going to give confidence that that is, in fact, what we're achieving. And, and uh, 
there's huge, again, financial consequences to the positive side if we can do that. So, Justin, I think you've got some ideas that you can talk about relative to glycosylation tools. I'm also going to talk a little bit on the mass spec side later on uh, some capabilities to improve quality. Some of that might be involving, uh, say, uh, capillary electrophoresis for charge variants, also collision-induced unfolding techniques using ion mobility. Um, and uh, I think both of those have really significant opportunities to uh, improve our assessment of quality. So, Justin, back over to you on the glycosylation. Yeah, thanks, John. Yeah, glycosylation is, is quite a challenge. Um, these are very complex biological molecules. Um, we're basically working with tiny little machines, right? So uh, the cell lines are going to be different between the innovator and the, the biosimilar. Um, and the enzymes for post-translational modifications, there's a lot of uh, complexity that can affect the final drug product. So being able to assess the quality um, at all stages is, is very important. But, but especially with biosimilars, the earlier that you can identify the candidate cell line, which is going to give you the most similar product to the innovator, uh, can really save you a lot of time and effort downstream. Um, there's certainly many uh, benefits of, of some of the solutions that we've developed uh, around glycan sample preparation uh, that are valuable for both biosimilars and innovators, such as uh, a higher throughput sample preparation platform, uh, such as the GlyX uh, system that we've developed. Uh, this is going to allow you to make faster decisions and get to market faster, regardless of the drug product you're working on, because you can prepare and analyze glycan samples in a much shorter period of time. But there's also additional benefits uh, for biosimilar developers around the sensitivity with some of these kits. Uh, if you're evaluating innovator lots uh, that were most likely released with relatively um, low resolution methods, given the time frame that things are coming off patent now, uh, if you're looking at those the same lots with a high resolution method, you can start to see a lot of variability between those innovator lots. And, and the result of this is that you have a much wider path towards developing a biosimilar. Um, you can also start looking at in, in development of biosimilars uh, areas where glycan work is, is maybe traditionally done later in the development stage, you can start to move some of this earlier on in the process with biosimilars with great effect. And we're seeing with, with several of our customers where they're looking at doing glycan work in cell culture now. So instead of just looking for the candidate that produces the greatest titer, they're starting to look for certain characteristics of glycosylation because you're very limited in the, the knobs that you can turn downstream to get the right glycan. So if you're working with a uh, a cell line which is more similar to the innovator early on, you're more likely to be able to adjust the fermentation conditions to match that innovator. Uh, you can also start looking at things such as high throughput silic acid analysis. Uh, we have a, a silic acid quantitation kit, which can be very useful at the cell culture stage for biosimilar development. If you're working with a very highly silylated drug product, for example, well, you know that you need to be seeing a lot of silic acid uh, from your cell culture. So you can use these kits. It just uses a plate reader to analyze. It's very quick, and you can start to identify the best candidates early on. John, would you like to talk about the charge variant? Sure, Justin. Uh, let me talk about two topics, actually, in terms of assessing quality that might be of interest. And, and both of them are very much impacting uh, the presence of glycans. You'll see that change in the glycan composition showing up in the therapeutic with these measurements. And these are both relatively new uh, in terms of capabilities that people are using 
uh, both as an innovator, but I think potentially in the biosimilar world as well. One of them is going to be something called a CIU 50 value. Um, this is being developed by Dr. Brandon Rutlow at the University of Michigan. And then the other one is going to be charge variant analysis using mass spectrometry. And uh, we've got a nice application that we've developed with CMP Scientific to accomplish that. And it's working quite nicely. Let me just take a minute to talk about these CIU 50 values. Uh, and it's a quick measurement. What's exciting is you're going to work with the therapeutic now under native conditions, so roughly a neutral pH. It's an infusion experiment. Uh, and in about 30 seconds, you're able to ramp a collision voltage up front of the drift tube in the ion mobility. So as you ramp that voltage and your protein was under native conditions, you'll start to activate that protein, breaking internal bonds in the protein such that it gently unfolds and then unfolds again. And so each time it starts to unfold, if you were to graph the voltage that you're applying to that fragmenter versus the collisional cross-section, you'll see the collisional cross-section increasing as the protein unfolds. It's, it, it in effect gets larger in its collisional cross-section. So what gets interesting is to say, could I compare the innovator to the biosimilar? Or if I was actually doing process development as an innovator, could I compare batch one to batch two and say, are they identical? And you'll have these plateaus that you have at each uh, point where the protein stabilizes for a moment. And then as you ramp the voltage, it will then dynamically suddenly change in collisional cross-section as you've activated the protein, more bonds have broken, and you'll hit a new plateau. And then a few seconds later, another few bonds will have broken. It will suddenly have an acceleration in collisional cross-section. So you get this graph where your y-axis is the collisional cross-section, your x-axis is your voltage, and you'll see these plateaus, sharp ramp, plateau, ramp. What's interesting is what Dr. Rutlow has shown is he calls it a CIU 50 value. When you're 50% of the way between one plateau to the next plateau, that voltage at 50% of the way up is very definitive of a comparison you can make between therapeutics. So if I've got two biosimilars or three biosimilars, I can oftentimes see subtle differences between them by comparing these CIU 50 values. So I think if I was an innovator producing a batch and wanted to make sure it compared to the batch before, in 30 seconds, I can see under native conditions, are my CIU 50 values the same? Now, the other thing that uh, Brandon is doing is he's just added ECD detection to the back end of the ion mobility drift. So before we hit the time of flight, he actually now also performs electron capture dissociation. All of these tools are nicely put together in a webinar. And John, I'll give you a list and a link for those webinars at the end of this so that you can actually include those to the people listening. On a different subject, I'm gonna switch over to charge variants. Oftentimes, as we see different changes to the glycosylation, each of these show up as charge variants. The challenge has been most groups are using a UV-based imaging system and it's capillary isoelectric focusing but again, with a UV detector. So if you get, say, two acidic and two basic variants, that's all good, except now you have to identify what those variants are. So typically, we now take that therapeutic and we go to 
ion exchange chromatography with mass spec, or we'll go to reverse phase with mass spec, and we'll find charge variants. The question is always, because you've changed the mode of separation, are you finding the exact same charge variants that you saw on your UV-based imaging system? So if you've got two acidic and two basic variants in the UV using capillary isoelectric focusing, have you found those same acidic and basic variants in the ion exchange and in the reverse phase? What people would really like is could they have mass spec on the capillary isoelectric focusing? And from that, we can then make determinations as to uh, the intact mass and, and look at the mass shifts. But it gives us a great deal of information when we switch to ion exchange and reverse phase. If I have the intact mass, under capillary isoelectric focusing, now I have a tractable problem. I can say I need to go find those exact exact same intact masses in my other techniques as I do a deeper characterization and understand what the modifications are in the therapeutic in each of those charge variants. So we've achieved this now by having a really nice uh, co-marketing arrangement with CMP Scientific. We've been working on this with, for about three years, and this has worked out extraordinarily well in terms of developing a nice solution that's available today. Uh, CMP has built an easy to use kit that enables you to optimize your isoelectric focusing for a number of the different modalities. It also gives you flexibility to change the column length. Obviously, the longer the column, the longer the analysis time, but it gives you much more resolving power. So there are times where if it's a difficult charge variant separation, we might go out to a a meter or longer in the length of the capillary. And other times, if it's easier, we might go to, say, a 50 centimeter. All of these are flexibilities that exist. And then the next day, I can switch from capillary isoelectric focusing to CZE. The same CMP interface does both, so it works quite nicely. So with that, I'll turn that back over to you guys. Yeah, thank you, John. Uh, Justin, do you have any things that you want to just summarize uh, today? We will certainly get the information, get it into the show notes. So if you're listening, you can check the show notes, and uh, John is going to provide us with some links uh, to some more useful information. But, uh, Justin, was there anything else that uh, you wanted to add to the conversation at this point? I would just encourage anyone out there uh, with a challenge for uh, around your glycosylation to, to reach out and start a conversation with us. Um, it, you know, we understand that everyone's challenges are, are a little unique, uh, but we've got a, a really great suite of products and solutions um, to, to pretty much solve every issue that we've run into so far. So uh, but let's start a dialogue. And, and the more we learn about your specific issues, the, the more we can uh, help you out. Yeah, excellent. Thank you, Justin, for um, letting our listeners know that. I mean, this does get out internationally, so I would say if you're not familiar who your representative is uh, for Agilent, um, just just go to the Agilent.com website, and uh, from there you can determine uh, who it is to contact, and then they will put you in touch with the specialists and the people in Justin's team and the people in, in uh, John's team as well. So, gentlemen, with that, uh, I will just say thank you for joining us. Um, a rather complex topic, and again, it's it's difficult within you know fifteen minutes or so to get into the real details of this. Again, we'll have some links in the show notes, and certainly reach out uh, to your local Agilent 
representative. And again, thank you for uh, bringing this to our attention, John and Justin. Uh, this is certainly very topical now. Um, with uh, We're seeing a lot of this work, more, much more of this work now. And uh, we hope this has been helpful to you. So, gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. Thank, thank you. you, John. All right. Hey, that was a great discussion, and I just want to make sure that I give you the promo code so that you can take advantage of a special offer that we have for you, the podcast listeners. The promo code is 15991599. It is available in North America only, and uh, there are some limitations, so uh, please uh, check that out online. Uh, when you go to place your order with us online or if you're talking to one of our representatives. Uh, so again, promo code is 1599. Thank you so much for listening. You know what? There's one more thing you can do for us. Uh, you can go out and tell your friends about the Peak Tales podcast. You could forward them this episode and other episodes as well. You can send them over to Peak tales.libsyn.com and there they can subscribe uh, this way they'll never miss an episode of the peak tales podcast thank you so much for your time today and we look forward uh, to coming uh, to your podcast app real soon with another great episode bye for now thanks for listening to this episode of peak tales for more information on what was discussed today, contact your local Agilent representative or go online to Agilent.com.